Well, I do that want to point out that this is a two thirds pro Curtis Samuel podcast. Yes. <laughs> they point that good, to Matt. Three quarters, actually, but yeah. Now it's at the moment. Put down well, your it's wallet. normally two thirds. Normally it's two thirds. Yeah. Well, I'm here to uh, tip the scales in the right direction uh, even more. Perfect. Good. By the way, guys, <laughs> say happy birthday to Keekly. He turned one yesterday. Happy birthday, happy, Keekly. Happy birthday. happy birthday, Keekly. Thank you for reminding me of all the horrible, horrible memories of Luke Keekly retiring. Thank you. <laughs> Where one. Yeah, you have to change your dog's name to Shaq. <laughs> it's not a very good name for a dog. Thompson. Yeah. There you go. That's a decent name. Thompson. Or just name it Colin Jones. Yes, do that. Oh. 100%. <laughs> Colin Jones, Stan here. It's very fun to have. Keekly and people like you could come across people who clearly have never seen football in their life because like what's his name like Keekly like what like Keekly like Keekly Keekly what what is what is that sound you're making like, it's Keekly like the really good football player that everybody loves like I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> I don't know who that is no yeah sure. he's that guy that quit on the Panthers. Welcome I'm good to with it too, Brian, just in case you wanted to know. Ah, <laughs> oh, we're doing the interrupting thing again. Good. I All haven't right, done well. it in like, what, six months? You got to give yeah. me that one. Oh, it's been more you. than that. It's yeah. been, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> that laugh you just heard is a um, special guest. Yeah, that's so. Welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is Brian, joined by John and Brad, as always, who decided to start up their their random shtick of interrupting me during the the uh, introduction. Don't lump me into that. Brad did that on his own. You, yeah, you we, totally we did not pre-plan it. that. I you did not. Endorsed it. I didn't you, know. I did not know he was going to do that today. Uh huh. Yeah. Well. Anyway, Matt. For a while there, they had a thing where they just interrupt me while I'm trying to start the podcast. So this is our special guest, Matt Harmon from Yahoo Sports. He is the reception perception guru and a fantasy sports writer for yahoo how are you doing tonight matt i'm doing great guys and uh always great to know you're in a hospitable situation where people are you know just interrupting each other i mean since we're talking you know panthers football like obviously everything will be level-headed you know it's definitely not a super frustrating franchise or anything uh so i think perfect it's actually honestly i think it's a great tone setter for uh, what's likely to be the rest of the conversation it is. It is. By by the way, are you st- are you're no longer a Panthers fan, right? You're what 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 are you a fan of now? Well, that's the question, right? Because obviously, I was a lifelong 49ers fan in 2019. I mean, the results speak for themselves. What a great uh, decision that was for me, uh, and also obviously what an asset I was to that particular franchise. However, now I'm uh, you know I'm looking for which team I'm going to be a lifelong fan of in 2020, and we'll see what happens. But no, I do not. I do not foresee a, uh, a return to being a Panthers fan in 2020 or any year. Uh, to... It's a good decision, honestly. Um, 
So we meant to have Matt on here to talk more about Kyle Allen and uh, the passing game of the 2019 season, which of course Carolina decided to throw us a curveball hours before we decided to film this podcast and make two moves. Film. One of which, one of which was this is actually a video podcast. People don't know that. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I would have put on clothes if I knew that. <laughs> okay, buddy, you look great. Um, so the Panthers had been shopping or so or rumored to be shopping offensive guard, multi-time pro bowler, Trey Turner. And a few hours ago, they it was announced that they were going to trade him straight up for offensive tackle Russell Okun. Um, that was a little bit of a shocker just timing-wise. So I'll start with you, John. Uh, what do you think of that move? Let Brad go first. All right, I'll let Brad go first. Brad, what do you think of that move? I think you should let John go first. No, um, what do I think of trading Trey Turner for Russell Okun? Yes, that, that was the, the question. question. Was okay. Yes, I was just making sure. Um, I don't hate it. I don't know why people are so mad. Um, our left tackle situation has been a dumpster fire since Jordan Gross retired. Uh, the only outlier is 2015. But other than that, I mean, you look at the offensive line we've put in front of Cam Newton, and it honestly, the Panthers front office should probably be, probably be put on trial for attempted murder. Uh, we've had revolving doors at just about every spot except right guard, thanks to Trey Turner. Um, so it is kind of odd that he is the one that they traded. But looking at it from their view, they're trading two years left of a contract for one year. So they're almost it's almost like they're just going to punt 2020. Uh, they're going to uh, reset their salary cap for 2021 and then really make a run. Uh, to try to get back into the playoff picture. And he's, it's not like Okung is bad. I mean, he's a good left tackle. Uh, there is some health concern. He did miss like half the year last year, and he's 31 years old, which I learned today is he might as well be 100 um, because he's 31 years old, and he'll be 32 when the season starts. Uh, so, you know, it's a whatever to me. I mean, I'm not I'm not happy about it. I think they should have kept Trey Turner because I think he's pretty good. But at the same time, I don't hate the fact that they got a good left tackle for 2020. If they're going to keep Cam Newton, it would be a good idea to give him all of the, the protection they can to see if he can still play. Uh, because nobody is going to be able to play behind – the offensive line that they had last year. Well, him being 31, if Cam Newton is telling me one thing, him being 31 means he'll be 34 by the time the season starts. That is true. Correct. Um, I don't, I mean, like it's, I tend to have this reaction to a lot of things that happen and it's, it's really boring, but I like to wait and see for the, you know, actual things to happen before I react to it. But I understand the, like the thought process behind it. I don't think Trey Turner is worth the amount of money he's, committed it's committed to him in the next two years um and so i think the the big incentive of the deal was to get out from that money in the future and getting a playable left tackle for a season as a bonus to keep whoever plays quarterback clean i think basically the the panthers traded trey turner for 2022 cap space without having to waive him or we're having to cut him and take the cap it 
Matt, what are your thoughts on that move, if you have any? Yeah, I mean the 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 idea that they were not that they were going to trade Trey Turner wasn't shocking uh, for all the reasons that I think John just said, um, I, and also like when it was kind of starting to break that they were going to trade for Russell Okung, I was like, I, I get that, like you know he's a like we've said he's a proven left tackle he has a lot of questions of his own from a injury standpoint the last few years he's been on and off the field and you know that's to be expected when guys are starting to get up there in age but he's a solid player the left tackle spot has been horrible in Carolina as Brad said and and I just think in general you know it's it's a tough one to read because on paper you look at a guy who's still in his mid-20s, who's a five-time pro bowler for a two-time left tackle, you know, that's the headline, right? Uh, But I don't think that really matters because, you know, number one, we all know pro bowls are essentially merit-based. Like, when you're an offensive lineman, you're going to start getting in there. If you get in there a couple times, you're going to start getting in there again and again, especially when you're a guard. So, yeah, I I don't really think it's it's too big of a needle mover from an on-field perspective in – in 2020, I think Trey Turner is definitely probably coming off his worst season as a pro. So, again, not a big needle mover for me. It's just one of those things like what what does it – you know, what where is the direction of this franchise and, you know, what are they trying to be in 2020? Are they trying to compete? Are they trying to field a team that can get out there and win games? Or are they, you know, looking to 2021? Are they trying to do, you know, what te- we've seen teams like the Browns and the Dolphins do in the past few years, which is, you know, not full on tank, like try to lose games because he tries to lose games in the NFL. You can't get players and coaches on board with that, but you can at least structure your team to not, not feel the best squad possible in the coming season while looking to build assets for the future. I don't think this really moves the needle one way or another in that discussion. You can kind of spin it from both sides because it's not like they're trading Trey Turner for draft picks or trading it for a guy they expect to play and start 16 games at a really important position in 2020. And it just doesn't really, like I say, move the needle one way or another. I agree. Um, To give you guys my take on it, I think it's more so a kind of a nod in the direction of seeing what Cam Newton is actually going to be worth in 2020. Um, because obviously he's got a one year left on his deal. Russell Coon's got one year left on his deal. Um, obviously trading ter- Trey Turner could end up just being a lateral move because you just end up having to, to uh, fill a hole on another part of the line rather than left tackle. But obviously if you can get a left tackle who's decent and starts all 16 games, you're probably going to be better. Um, so yeah, I don't want to spend too long on the move right now because obviously there's a lot more in this offseason to see happen and what the Panthers do in order to build the personnel around Cam Newton for the 2020 season. Um, As John said, I'm not mad or angry or happy about it just yet. I think it's just kind of one of those situations where it's one of the, it's one of the first pieces to building what the 2020 iteration of the Panthers are going to be. I don't know if we really need to do a round table on this, but I do want to bring it up anyway. Um, The Panthers also few hours after they announced this was announced with Russell Okung, uh, they did sign Brown's defensive lineman, Chris Smith, who they were view- visiting with earlier this week. Um, that one doesn't really move the needle much either because he, <clears throat> he played a bit for the Browns, but he's not been a huge impact player. Um, obviously there was a story of the tragic things that happened in his personal life. But other than that, you know, 
He's just another guy they added to the defensive line that needs to replace a lot of people going into the offseason. So why don't we go ahead and just take it, take the next step in the podcast and uh, talk about why we brought Matt Harmon on, which uh, Matt, I'm sure you remember, I sent you a DM of uh, Johnny Kinsley, guy who charts quarterbacks, players all over the all over Twitter. Pretty good player, or I should say good charter. Um, he actually went and charted down the accuracy of the quarterbacks throwing down the field. And for deep passing, I'll give you guys three guesses who finished absolutely dead last. <laughs> Brad you, you doesn't want to guess. Brad, Brad just oh. left. He's done. <laughs> Kyle Allen's last. Kyle Allen is is last. And uh, one of the things is, I like is he about dead last, or is he kind of last? You no, know, he's dead last. Very um, last. Yes, one hundred percent last. And one of the wow. things I enjoy about having access to the CSR handle as the social media manager is being able to tweet things like. Kyle Allen finished dead last and that's it to rile up certain factions of Twitter because all I did was state a fact and it pissed everybody off, obviously. Um, Hey Brad, you know that Kyle Allen was last in deep ball accuracy according to Johnny Kinsley at Brickwall Blitz on Twitter. Apparently that information was so groundbreaking that it knocked me off the call. That's what we were saying. (laughs) Wow. It was, uh, it was crazy. So, One thing that happened after we tweeted that was Jordan Rodrigue responded and said that it seemed to go hand in hand with the fact that Curtis Samuel had one of the largest amounts of droppable passes as far as percentage or not droppable as far as uncatchable passes as far as percentages go in the 2019 season. Matt, I know you're a huge Curtis Samuel stan. Give us your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, this is the reality of the wide receiver position and why I do what I do with reception perception, which is, you know, I go in and chart each individual route that they run over an eight game sample to try to put a quantitative figure to the qualitative reality of route running and separation and and sustaining that separation and, and gaining it at different levels of the field. And it's because of situations like this, where the quarterback is is kind of is not the only factor, right? Like, that's the thing is that there are a bevy of factors that go into accruing production at the wide receiver position. They're one of the most dependent on other factors to just accrue raw stats. Like even looking at things like catch rate or yards per target, like those are all quarterback influence. They're play caller influence. They are offensive line influence. Like everything's got to happen. A lot of things have to happen in order for the wide receiver to just put stats on the sheet. And, you know, when you get a situation where, a quarterback is playing poorly or is not a good fit with a certain player that can show up on the wide receiver stat sheets, but it's not really their fault. The only thing they can really control is running routes and gaining separation. And of course, when they do get the ball thrown their way, catching it more often than they drop it, which is most receivers in the, at the NFL level. Anyways, you don't get a lot of Greg Littles out there who just can't catch anything. So (laughs) that's why I try to do what I do is is go in and just show you who's getting more separation than other wide receivers and where are they winning? And of course we know Curtis Samuel is a great deep threat. You know, he's obviously has a lot of speed. He's flashed that at certain points throughout his NFL career. And while that was a great fit with a theoretically rehabbed cam newton who could throw the deep ball again like we had heard from training camp it was a really poor fit with a guy like kyle allen who we're saying and and i think that this is funny too because there's like i said there are certain type of wide receivers that can really complement a bad quarterback and i think this was one of the reasons i always really liked 
that the Panthers drafted B.J. Moore back when they did is because Cam Newton has long lacked a layup receiver, you know, someone to just give him those easy passes where he could, you know, find a guy who has a lot of separation because of the role that he plays and create after the catch. And that's what D.J. Moore has been. And that's a, kind of just a natural – and I'm not saying Cam Newton is a bad quarterback, but a player like that, you know, an easy target to hit over the middle of the field on short routes, they're going to get a lot of production with a bad quarterback. So, I mean, I think that that we do see a lot of the stats line up here. Uh, like you mentioned, Jordan pointed out that uh, Curtis Samuel has a, the high one of the higher rates in terms of uncatchable passes, especially when you look down the field. So I think the stats tell a really – accurate story as to what happened on the field between this quarterback and wide receiver relationship agreed john I, i'm sure you have words about curtis samuel so why don't you uh <laughs> why don't you square up throw some hands great. yeah great receiver never said anything <laughs> otherwise oh really <laughs> no, no, no. so no. you're calling it all fake news is that what you're saying <laughs> no I think it's hard to say Curtis Samuel. I don't think you can really make a real, if there's any way you could change your opinion on him last based on last season's play, whether it was a good or bad opinion of him, just because uh, the quarterback play was so bad, especially at the thing he's supposed to be best at, which is his deep, the the deep threat, like Matt was saying. So I, I still hold firm on my Curtis Samuel. Isn't that good take? Um, I think he's a good route runner. I don't think he's a natural receiver and I, that can be improved but i don't like the little things in terms of like catching the ball like plucking the ball on the run and keeping your footing to run after the catch like he's not great at that he loses after the catch and little things like that i think kind of hold him back and are why i'm a little lower on him but that could that could change if the, the quarterbacks plays better and he's allowed to do just be like run faster than everybody yeah, I I do have one thing to go slightly in John's area with him in that the plays they were dialing up with oh, Kyle boy. Allen throwing throwing him the football are not really like good. The play itself probably made sense, but when you have a quarterback like Kyle Allen throwing him the football, the fact that that Curtis Samuel has one of the smaller catch radiuses at least on the 2019 iteration of the Panthers certainly doesn't work in his favor either. You need somebody who's a little more a little more accurate down the field. Um, <clears throat> but I was told Kyle Allen is accurate. Yeah. So <laughs> Matt, I don't know how often, how much you followed along with CSR um, over the course of 2019 season, but here on the keep sounding podcast, we stood pat in that saying that Kyle Allen is not the quarterback that everybody was making him out to be when people were talking about how the Panthers should move on from Cam Newton and move on with Kyle Allen. And we stood pat and man, we took a lot of flack for it, especially from a certain truck driving part of Twitter. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's kind of cathartic looking back now and seeing the analytics and the, uh, stat, the stats playing to the narrative that Kyle Allen was not great throwing the ball down the field. And one of the biggest things that seemed to go in there that seemed to go in his favor was that they said the offensive line was bad, which is not necessarily incorrect, but I'll let you maybe if, you may not you may or may not have watched enough of Carolina Panthers football last year to see this, but there were a lot of times where Kyle Allen kind of sacked himself. Oh yeah. And, and listen, all, all 32 teams are my beautiful little babies. You know, I pay it to I'm I'm following them all, man. How ugly that kid is. 
I'm following those beautiful babies along their journey. And and the Panthers were one of those. And I mean, yeah, you're right though. Like think about the tweets, you know, during that like three week stretch. I mean, just some insane takes about the quarterback position for the Carolina Panthers. And man, I, I mean, the, the, the entire saga to me, number one, you're completely right about the, the idea that Kyle Allen certainly sacked himself. I, th- I think the more, we pay attention to the quarterback position in the NFL. I think it just becomes more and more clear that sacks are definitely more of a quarterback stat than we have typically assigned them to previously. I think that they really can be boosted up by, by good court. I mean, look, many good quarterbacks over the, over the years have proven that when they are, you know, adept at dealing with pressure, avoiding pressure, stepping up in the pocket, they can make bad offensive lines, look good I mean Peyton Manning was always kind of the consummate guy in that regard same thing with Tom Brady before the last couple of years too and obviously those are two of the best of the best but you know we see bad quarterbacks typically go with high sack numbers (laughs) Kyle Allen was certainly one of those players last year and the entire saga to me just really showed me that sometimes you just got to let guys be what they are right it's like Kyle Allen comes out of nowhere has a surprising stretch as a as a good starting quarterback when he wasn't supposed to be. It's like that's exactly what you want your backup quarterback to be, a guy who can come in for three to four games and keep the ship afloat while hopefully your starter comes back in a month or whatever. But that doesn't mean that all of a sudden just because he's had three or four good games – you got to make him the starter. You know, you, you have to have all these insane takes about what his future will be. That's just really not how it all works more often than not. And if people had just let Kyle Allen be that, it's like, okay, this, this backup quarterback looks like he's got a future in the league because he's playing pretty well over this stretch. And, you know, he's got some talent around him and he's, and he's kind of making it work. Like that would have been great. But then the takes had to get out of control, and I think a lot of that is just the Cam Newton effect. Like we all know, Cam Newton makes people stupid, <laughs> and yep. I think this was certainly one of those situations. So, I mean, I, I I do think Kyle Allen has a future in the league. I think he can be a pretty good backup quarterback that can keep the ship afloat, and that's just what we always should have let him be. Like just let him be that for a month or so, and then that's that. But unfortunately, it obviously didn't work out that way for a variety of different reasons. It's kind of like. I mean, exclusive to the internet, but it's very prominent on the internet, the group polarization thing, where uh, a segment of, you know, of people online will take a very extreme stance on something like saying Kyle Allen is a future, like starting quarterback, long-term starting quarterback. And then when people push back against that idea, it comes across as them saying like Kyle Allen doesn't belong in the league at all. And then it slowly becomes a an argument between Kyle Allen is a superstar or Kyle Allen is the worst quarterback in the NFL when really it should never get to that point which is kind of like what you're saying i think everybody was just like kyle allen that's that's a good backup panthers got something there i don't think anybody would really have any objection to that i mean really what it boils down to is just that there are too many fans who like it's the it, it just reminds me of the 2010 season where it was like first it was Matt Moore, then it was Jimmy Clausen, then it was Tony Pike, then it was Armani Edwards, and you can obviously flip those guys in different orders there, where it's like, the new face is always better. New is always better. And yes, that was an ugly time, and I'm glad we're not there right now, but it's almost, it's that situation where it's like, you've seen what you think you've seen from a quarterback, and people look at Cam Newton and they say, okay, he's been hurt for the last 
year and a half, two years now. So they wanted to see Kyle Allen. They saw positive results while blacking out the fact that Christian McCaffrey was a freaking superhuman during that stretch where they were winning. And they were like, this is the guy. This is who's going to lead Carolina forward. And then when he started to falter, they wanted to see Will Greer. And it's just how the NFL works. New is always better. That's that's always how it's going to be. That's why people love the draft, because they're always new people. Always new. New has the potential to be better than what you currently have. Yep, that's why Colin Jones is one of the hate most hated players in Carolina history, because there's <laughs> always very that... not new. Because he's very not new, and there's always that new undrafted free agent safety from, like, North Carolina, I don't know, Utah. Yeah, North Carolina, Utah. In. North Carolina, yeah. Utah. Football, comes football in. The fighting sand crabs. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, speaking yeah. of the... Co- oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, it's just... But no matter how small that chance is, it's that little bit of hope that that person's going to be better than what's already there. That makes people like want to see it, and so they know for sure that it's not better. Even if if even if that player was better, they'd probably you know eventually get that chance. Yep. Which nobody has unseated Colin Jones. Nobody. The ace that runs the place, my dude. Now that might, that might change with a new coaching staff, though. Don't you? No, start. because Matt Rule values speed and versatility, <laughs> and that's basically all that Colin Jones has to offer. Yes, this is true. <laughs> I mean, that's number literally of all he well. does. He can he can play three positions, and he's fast. Hey, he can also play running back. That's five yards. Five <laughs> yards per carry. No, he can play. Look at the, look at the numbers. He can play safety, cornerback, linebacker, and running back. That's he can't play corner. I'm sorry, but he cannot. (laughs) Nickel corner, my friend. I mean, he can line up there. He can stand out there. Yeah, I mean, he's better than a house. Whether he can play it well is a different question, but he can definitely play it. He had an interception. Thank you. (laughs) An interception. One interception. Yes, and he had a nice (laughs) flipping sack against the Eagles the one year. That was cool. That actually was cool. I I will say. I am a Colin Jones fact sheet, Matt. If you ever need one, let me know. I never um, thought I would need that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after, so obviously we got a little bit into the quarterback situation and the big hot button topic for Carolina, no matter what the hell happens with the draft and free agency is going to be Cam Newton. Right now, it seems like Cam Newton, even if they did want to trade him, he's not going to be a tradable asset until after the draft. Um, so I'm sure you've heard all over that. Cam Newton needs to go to the Bears, or Cam Newton needs to be cut. He's obviously washed in Carolina, but if he goes to any other team, he might lead him to the Super Bowl. How that works, I don't know. So, Matt, why don't you give us your take on Cam Newton's future in Carolina? Yeah, I've I've published a couple of pieces about Cam Newton on uh, on Yahoo Sports, and you know, one of them was in the middle of the season, and it's kind of it's kind of a moot point now because I think we can kind of, it was, this was back when it was like a hot button issue or at least, you know, maybe not boiling hot as it once was, but you know, it was definitely still got some steam to it. And that was of course when Kyle Allen was thriving and, and essentially I said was, look, we, this Kyle Allen showing us that he could functionally play well for a stretch in this offense just shows us that, Hey, there's some real weapons here. And I mean, we all know that, right? Like DJ Moore was top 10 in the NFL in receiving yards again, because he's that great layup receiver. Christian McCaffrey is obviously a stud. There's enough pieces on the offensive line that I think you can look at 
you can look at it just right, and there's enough to build there that a good quarterback, not a guy like Allen who's just going to be sucking in sacks, like there's enough there that you can work with. And, of course, Greg Olson's gone, but I think Ian Thomas is intriguing enough. Like Kyle Allen playing well enough showed us that like they finally got this offense right for Cam Newton. You know, For so many years, no player has thrown – more high degree of difficulty throws than Cam Newton. And I think that now they kind of redesigned it to the point that they could, they could run this thing back with Cam and probably get, if he's healthy, of course, which everything with Cam Newton obviously has to come with the asterisk of, is he healthy? And if he is, I think there's enough to like about this. And that was my stance then, you know, again, it was, that was when it was like still moderately steaming in terms of how hot that take was. But my stance pretty much since October has been, I think, think it makes the most sense for cam to come back for another year in carolina and see what you've got with him because if he's 85 percent of the player he was at the height of his powers or even the guy that he was at the beginning of the 2018 season he's a top half of the league quarterback and those are really hard to find and i think you can rebuild the roster around that for maybe another few years but i and the only time i really wavered on the fact that i thought he would be back in carolina was in February when, you know, you've got David Tepper just not even wanting to give even a tepid endorsement of him back there, you know, is just constantly like, tell me if he's healthy, tell me if he's healthy. And then, you know, of course, Matt Rule comes out in Indianapolis and says, like, he's excited to work with him. That maybe pushed me back more towards I think he's going to be back. But I still think it's somewhat of an unknown. I think the odds favor Newton returning simply because there's a lot of quarterbacks this available this offseason. And someone's going to be left without a seat. And I think the Panthers would probably just rather run it back one more time with Cam Newton. And then, and then of course, just, just kind of see what you've got rather than going with an Andy Dalton or a Marcus Mariota, like, give me a break. I don't know what that does for you. Any, any of these options. The thing is though, the, the reason if, if, if they're trying to tank and like rebuild for the future, I don't know that any of these quarterbacks are are conducive to doing that. Cause I think they'll probably be, be too good. So I think there's a lot of ways that you can look at it, but for, but for right now, I think the, the odds on favorite is that Cam Newton's the week one starting quarterback for the Panthers this year. And again, if he's healthy, I think there's enough talent on this offense to at least make it interesting. Yeah. The defense is another story, but yeah, I don't oh, yeah. know how, how the offense can be bad with any sort of passable quarterback. And like you, I don't understand what the point would be of the Panthers releasing Cam Newton to go sign another like 30 year old quarterback, like Ryan Tannehill or yeah. trade for some other old guy because they want to win games. You can get the same thing with like, like Andy Dalton makes no sense. <laughs> if, 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 if you're going to move on from Cam Newton, you might as well just go full on Kyle Allen, Will Greer and embrace the tank as much as you can in football. Yeah. And uh, the other, the other problem that I have with uh, the whole, even if you let Cam Newton go, if you have Christian McCaffrey on your team, you're still going to win at least five games. I mean, he's going to drag that team kicking and screaming to what, four or five wins? Is that reasonable? Yeah. That reasonable? Honestly, but... if if they're going to get rid of Cam, I genuinely hope they just put Christian McCaffrey at quarterback and run the triple wing option <laughs> offense. Like run 1947 Army football. Hey, I mean, you got right. DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. That could be... That could fuck up some teams for at least the first quarter <laughs> that would be until they figure bad. it out. It would, it would yeah. at least be entertaining. From yeah. what I've been told, my entire life, sports are cyclical, even though I've never seen them actually cycle back, but maybe that will be the start <laughs> of it. 
Where do you hey. guys where do you guys stand on the whole idea of like that if they're full on tanking that they, you know, cash in Christian McCaffrey at his peak value and like try to trade him this offseason? Now, to me, I think you're you can't do that because you still have to put asses in the seat. Exactly. And, and no one, you know, no one's gonna literally no one would watch this team if it's like some jag running back and you know a, a mystery box quarterback back there. I think you would be literally looking at like an 0 and 16 operation. And it's just, it's, I think it's just malpractice to even put your fan base through that. But from a purely strategic standpoint, you could argue that if you truly are trying to, you know, rebuild forever, like cashing in a running back, a short-term value position for, you know, a first round pick plus might be worth it. But I, I don't personally agree with that, but there are people out there that are arguing that I, think I agree you could... with you. I mean, it makes sense. If you look at it, just look at the numbers, so to speak. Uh, he's your best asset. He's your most tradable asset. You will get the most for him now if you do it. So do it now. But like you also said, no one will watch the team play. Uh, I get paid to watch and write and talk about them. And I probably wouldn't even watch them. <laughs> And, you know, because like you said, that's malpractice. You cannot put, we, we've already gone through that in 2010. I think a current Panthers team without Christian McCaffrey and without Cam Newton would be worse than the 2010 Panthers were. I agree. It would I mean, be they, that awful. They have Reggie Bonifant though. He can kind of do everything. Christian yeah, McCaffrey that's true. Does. He's the most <laughs> well open kept secret or whatever in the hell he is. I think um, if, yeah, to, to Matt's question, if this didn't involve like actual real life people, like if you're doing this on a simulation, you could probably make an argument that it'd be best to trade Christian McCaffrey and every other good player on this. Yes, on the I would, I would absolutely do this if I were doing a Madden franchise mode. Like I yeah. would do it on Madden. But this, you have to. The fan base just lost Luke Keekley and Greg Olson within a few weeks of each other. You can't then go off and and ship off Christian McCaffrey and potentially Cam Newton and just be like, hey, you remember all those players you loved? They're all gone. We don't yeah. care about you. That's I, I, too bad of a PR hit, especially for a new owner and new coaching staff. I do have one other thing to add to. Um, in previous situations where teams were in a tank mode or they were like building for the next year or two. A lot of times they had a lot of older players on the roster and granted Carolina did over the last two years. But when you look at this team right now, they just invested a first round pick in Brian Burns. So you waste what one to two years of his contract. He's suddenly possibly He's on his way out the door to use by the time you're winning. Yeah. By the time you're winning um, Dante Jackson, had a down year, but by the time they're ready to be winning again, he would be a free agent. Um, they just signed Shaq Thompson to a big extension. Obviously, you waste a few years of that. Um, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, all very good dynamic offensive weapons. Like, if you decide to commit to tanking now, you're letting go of a lot of really good talent in that. Yep. And that's where I feel like. If they're gonna, if we're calling this a rebuild, I think this is more of a soft rebuild, like the Eagles, for example, where they only went through like a what, a one or two year rebuild, where this isn't like the Cleveland Browns, where they spent so many years accumulating hundreds of millions of cap space only to get all these players together and then suck. That said, you know, 
as much as I troll about it, they might go after Joe Burrow. So we'll see. <laughs> Football, football's too random, and contracts and careers are too short to act, to tank like basketball teams do. Yeah, and I mean, even if the Panthers did tank, quote unquote, it's incredibly hard to go zero and sixteen. Yeah, yeah, the Dolphins. Like, the did, Dolphins the, were trying to do it, and they won what five games? They're picking. They're picking fifth. They're picking fifth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they the Dolphins, tried to get the number one pick. Yeah, that's the probably the biggest tank we've seen of an NFL team, and Fitzmagic led them to to the fifth pick, and now they're gonna have to like they might have to trade up to get a quarterback. I don't so think they, so. I think I think they'll get. They might not get the one they want, but there will be a quarterback available at five. Well, there'll be a lot of quarterbacks available. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, there'll be a top of the first round (laughs) quarterback available. I think the only two that could possibly be gone by then are Joe Burrow and Tua. I think if they wanted Justin Herbert, they could easily get him at five. Oh, yeah, that is fine. But if they want Tua, which I think people assume that's who they want. They might have to. They might have to do a Bears and trade up like two spots. They're going to have to. Yeah, sure. they're going to have to trade up to two or three if they want to get to a. Basically, the they accumulated they all those extra picks. Yeah, what? which I hope they don't because he's overrated. What did you say, Matt? I said the good thing is that they got the capital to do it. You know, like yeah, that's they part, had like eight hundred picks. That's part of the full on tank, which like, or you know, again, tank like quote unquote. It's it's, it's part of the full on like hard rebuild like that as you. You trade guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, who was, you know, he he ended up being a great player for the Steelers, but he was a good young player for the Dolphins, but he wasn't like an all-star. Like we're talking about Christian McCaffrey here. Like he's one of the, if not the best running back in the NFL, like the top three, no question. So, I mean, yeah, you can't, it's just really tough to trade like a top, even if it's running back, which, you know, we know is a devalued position. He brings so much more to the table too, just from a marketability standpoint, a star power standpoint, you know, which the Panthers have not always had through their history. So yeah, I mean, they don't have the type of guys that I think you can just start shipping off for first round picks like they did in Miami. So I, I just really, I think it's hard to project this team as, that full-on hard rebuild uh, that that we've seen teams like Cleveland and Miami do over the past couple of years. I'm willing to bet that Carolina could trade Christian McCaffrey straight up for Washington's number two overall pick. (laughs) I was going to ask you. Ron Rivera would do it. I was going to ask, actually. (laughs) This is something that's come up on CSR a lot, and it's created a lot of debate in our our general threads. Um, You'd mentioned that Christian McCaffrey is like one of the top one to three running backs in the NFL, but looking at him from a value standpoint, he's kind of more of a weapon, really. Like, I think he's like a top five weapon in the NFL right now, based on his receiver skills. I mean, he was, he was marketing as a first round slot receiver when he was a rookie. Um, So looking at his value from a contract standpoint, something that's been debated a lot. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts real quick about that. I know it wasn't something we talked about, prior to the podcast but what do you think of him, of him as a weapon not just looking at him as a running back yeah i mean i think his receiving ability is again if he's not the best pass catching running back in the nfl he's two or three something like that so yeah i mean he he's unbelievably good and and part of the part of what i was saying earlier about dj Moore it applies to christian mccaffrey if not even more so like just a guy that brought layup throws to an offense that frequently asked its quarterback to make far too many high degree of difficulty throws down the field along the sideline to guys who don't separate. So, yeah, I mean, he's, 
I think he is truly a transformative figure to an offense, and that would be to pretty much any offense, but it was especially true for the iteration that Carolina had, you know, from most of Cam Newton's time here. So I don't know. It's tough to put a value on that, too, because, yeah, he's listed at RB, you know, like running back, but he's not just a running back. And I think that would it would be really interesting to see what kind of draft pick he would return if if they really were to ever ship him off which again I don't think is going to happen nor do I think it would be smart to do so because do teams look at him as just another running back because I don't think you can do that and we we've shown we've seen that there's just not a lot of tradeability there I don't think they'd somehow even if they put him on the market it's not like he's going to attract like two first round picks or something like that you'd probably get a first rounder back and maybe a fourth or something like that but that's it and and I just really don't think that's worth it so I think he bring and I, the good thing about him too is like he's going to absorb a lot of touches. He obviously did that last year. You know, I, I think you could make an argument that they probably need to get somebody else in there to not just completely run him into the ground. But his receiving chops, I think, will stay with him for a long time. And and even when this team is ready to contend again, I think he brings so much value as that weapon, like you're talking about, that he will retain that value during over the long haul here. Well, I think what they should do is just trade him back to Ron Rivera for the number two overall pick. Use that number two overall pick to leverage Miami, who wants to uh, get Miami to give up their first round pick and like five other draft picks, hoard picks, rebuild the roster, and win the Super Bowl. You well, sound you like go. a mock drafter right now. I know, and I hate. Oh, myself. I can't wait for the fan speak mock drafts. Where like, where people oh, like, God. I traded from five to seven, and then traded down from seven to twelve, and then from twelve to fifteen, and ended up with forty-five uh, extra picks in the draft. And then Here's I got Chase Young at number thirty-one yeah. overall. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I hate that shit. Dra- <laughs> draft time. Draft time is the best and the worst at the same time. Truly. Um. <laughs> um so. The last topic I want to get into, just because we've talked at length about the coaching changes here in Carolina. Obviously, they brought in Matt Rule. They brought in Joe Brady to be their offensive coordinator, which means they're going to bring in Matt Burrow. Don't at me. Um, and they're going to, and they have Matt Phil Burrow. Snow as their. Joe I mean, Burrow. they probably me. could get Matt Burrow. I mean, that yeah, easily. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of words were happening at once. Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU, um, and they obviously also got Phil Snow defensive coordinator so matt what do you think of carolina's off uh head coaching and coaching moves over the offseason you're more of a, a objective unbiased observer so i'd like to hear what you have to say yeah i mean i think matt rule was a really highly coveted guy i think anybody could tell you that and you know tepper obviously is not one to be outbid when you got all that money you can throw it around man and so he did <laughs> and, and i think that's that's great if this is the guy you truly believe i mean he sounds like a preacher to me which is uh can be a lot sometimes when you hear him talk but um i think he's i think he's set up to be a good coach because i think he's shown that he can come in and you know grab people and, and be a guy who commands a room commands a franchise and i think that's a lot of what this this team needs the the actual I, I would have kind of I was expecting more and was a little disappointed to see that they didn't necessarily add like you know a defensive coordinator who's a proven guy or, or something like that but I love the idea of the offensive coordinator hire like Brady to me just shows 
this team is going to be very different from a concept standpoint. Like I love what LSU did last year from a, from a passing game standpoint. I think they're going to really start to look like a smart, modern NFL offense. And I think Norv Turner took some good steps in terms of evolving this offense from what it was in the early years of the Cam Newton, Ron Rivera era, but there was still a lot of work to be done. And and I, I really do love, that part of the hiring just get an aggressive young modern thinker you know don't keep recycling these old retreads and everything like that like you couldn't it it couldn't be more opposite from what they did with their last offensive coordinator hire so I I really do like it from that that standpoint I I wish it was a little bit more NFL experience but rule has enough in terms of coming from like the Tom Coughlin tree and everything that is not that big of a concern I mean franchise and the fan base needed though was just just something different for you know the like brian said earlier things are better when they're new um i think everybody had kind of worn out on the whole um hiring people from within the same coaching tree and like oh let's go get fresh and exciting with our offense we'll hire ron rivera's old boss who was a great offensive coordinator in the 1990s yeah oh my god that the, the sad part was like not to get too off topic, but the fact like Ron Rivera went in, he got Sean McDermott, a young, bright, up and coming defensive coordinator. And he came in and he got Rob Chudzinski, a young, offensive minded, mad scientist type offensive coordinator. And then they just went backwards. Like <laughs> they they got Mike Shula, who just like kind of took what Rob Chudzinski was doing and made it more conservative. And then they just went right back to Rob, to Norv Turner, who made all the concepts that these guys drew from. And then obviously it just essentially became Ron Rivera's team on the defensive side. So yeah, I agree. It's very refreshing to see some new fresh blood in the coaching room. At least, man, I forgot about Chud. Yeah. That guy's nowhere. He's not been heard from since like 2015. In, and the best, the, part, the best part is he could have probably even been more successful and not went to a dying Browns franchise. If he didn't turn the Panthers offense his second year into a read option based offense. He probably could have went on to be like a Patriots offensive coordinator. If he just stuck to what he was doing in his first year. God, I hate Carolina. Why am I? I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to find, cause I, f- I feel like when the Panthers hired Nora Turner, it was like one of those things where, um, they interviewed a couple people. And there was like a couple exciting names and it got everybody's hopes up. And then they're like, no, 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 no. He's just going to hire his friend. I think they interviewed Hugh Jackson that year. And people were like kind of hyped about that because he was coming off like, you know, some good, like that good stretch with the Raiders and everything. I mean, obviously that That kind of turned out to be a blessing in disguise. (laughs) Yeah, I was, I was solely on the hire Hugh Jackson band. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think think, overall though. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. I think overall, though, like the the Norv era definitely exceeded my expectations. I remember like my eyes rolling out of the back of my head when, uh, you know, I I saw that hiring because I thought it was just wow. Like how, like we were saying, you know, Ron Rivera hires his old boss. Like, let's keep the pipeline going. That whole thing. But I, I do think he did a pretty good. Like, it definitely exceeded my expectations. After like his last stint with the Vikings before coming to Carolina was was a really really rough time, and you know. When they, as soon as they got him out of there, you know they that uh, that offense immediately became better with Pat Shermer as the play caller. I mean, we're really taking a trip down memory lane here, but I, I do think <laughs> the, the Norv the Norv era overall was like 
better than my expectations. But again, I think there's still some meat to take off the bone here. And I think they've got the right guy to do that now, at least from an on paper standpoint. I think the problem with Norv is he tried to run mostly. He, he's not really the offensive coordinator to run an offense and be successful with somebody like Kyle Allen, which is a tall order for really anybody. I mean, like Cam Newton was on, was on pace to be an MVP candidate before he got hurt in 2018. And that was, that was Norv Turner. I mean, like, yep. That first game against the Cowboys, you know, they the Cowboys were like, we know Cam Newton can throw the ball downfield. So we're not going to let him do it. And they just took Christian McCaffrey underneath and all the underneath routes all the time. And Cam was completing like 65, 70, 67, 68% of his passes. So I think it just, I think like Norv could have been more successful, but at the same time, like there were still those times where you just rolled your eyes and like, oh my God, you're, this isn't the nineties anymore, dude. Like, it's 2019. Let's let's be a little more modern. So, there were you could just out that in... Kyle Allen won his first five starts. What'd you say? I would like to point out that Kyle Allen won his first five starts. <laughs> I think it, everybody has. It will be hard pressed to forget that after uh, the month of October. <laughs> I did hear that a few times in that in that time period. Uh, it was the worst time to be on Twitter. God. <laughs> When is he's, not the worst time to be on Twitter? Well, no, because like be you guys would write those articles, and then I'd be the one patrolling Twitter, and then I'd have to deal <laughs> with the comments and uh, yeah, a lot you of people. You have to people. deal with the comments after you troll people. Like, well, that's that's fun though. At least <laughs> um, my favorite thing was always dealing with people accusing me of hating Kyle Allen. <laughs> Same just here. because I was telling the truth. Oh yeah. We like, were we were I all would, haters. And I would say innocent stuff like it's just the Cardinals. Well, you're just a hater. I'm like, no. He fumbled the ball three times. Well, obviously that's the offensive line's fault. Huh? Don't count Is his it? fumbles. He doesn't turn the ball over that much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't throw interceptions. He just fumbles the ball a lot. It's fine. That was my favorite. If you yeah, don't yeah, take because, out if you I take mean, out half of the, the the ways you can turn the ball over, he actually doesn't turn the ball over much at all. <laughs> By the way, it was actually worse than I remembered. Ron Rivera basically fired Mike Shula so he could hire Norv Turner. Okay, Mike Shula went to the Giants and wasn't allowed to have offensive play calling duties. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> what a carousel! Oh, I love Carolina. Um, I, I do like that Ron went to Washington, and since it worked so well for him here, his last two seasons, he's like, let's just run it back. Yep. Yeah, right. right? I mean, that is like, I, I for, in, on the one hand, it's like I think he's a good fit for Washington. And the fact that yeah, I do too, the fact that, that they let him get rid of Bruce Allen is like a true, one of the truest upset in, in sports history. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I think Ron's a good guy to come in and stabilize this franchise, but I don't know how I feel about like, let's just run it back with the, the 2019 Panthers. Like Scott Turner showed us a hell of a lot after, after he moved into yeah. you know the offensive coordinator duties. I think he's definitely ready for that promotion. And again, I mean, it's just, that's just keeping the pipeline alive, man. Keeping that pipeline going. And especially I, I remember reading that Washington, you knew had like the Sean McVay and they had another offensive coordinator that was very highly regarded. I can't remember his name. Before. Um, before yeah, yeah, the, 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 whole, the whole the whole gang was there. Yeah, and then they had another one. Was it Kevin O'Connell? Yep. Yes, I believe it that was. That was and then um so they have this like bright young minded offensive coordinator there, and Ron Vera's like, nah, I got Scott Turner's Kevin O'Connell. Got my guy. 
Yeah, I got oh Scott Turner. We ran that that perfect offense with Kyle Allen and the backups last year. I got to bring that in. And they picked care. up Adrian Peterson's options, so they're going to Adrian have, Peterson gonna... get ready for thirty touches. That's <laughs> that's my that's my fantasy sleeper. I already have people who are like, "You're not going to draft him before me, Brian," because I know I know Ron Rivera <laughs> because of you. And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God, I love football." I get hiring your friends, and I know it's very easy to hire your friends because everybody wants to work with people they like, but you have to have some self-awareness to be like, all right, well, things really kind of – the wheels kind of fell off the last two years. Maybe I should at least switch up a couple things. Yeah, Maybe I mean, there's hiring your friends, ideas. and then there's also hiring your friends that won 11 games in the last two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hey, they- guys, work, work in sports media. Let me tell you what, it's not, it's not that much different than what's oh, I, going I think on. it's that way in, in all walks of life. It's, it's, it's like they always – and I do like that Ron took the training staff with him that I think everybody was sick of here because we seem to have a real big problem with uh, recurring injuries from players returning ahead of schedule and that's somehow being a good thing only for them to hurt themselves in their first game back. I mean, to be honest, it was worth firing Ron Rivera and going through a potential 3-13 and season in 2020 just to get rid of Ryan Vermillion. <laughs> didn't... didn't... People in the in like in comment sections, which is a very reliable source who work in the medical field, say that he doesn't have a great reputation among people in the medical field in the area. Right, yes. you know who I'm talking about, yeah. Yes, I do. Which, yeah, I just remember like we had that list of like John Beeson, uh, injures Achilles in preseason, comes back week one ahead of schedule, tears Achilles in week one. Darrell Williams dislocates kneecap in preseason. Season, re-injures knee first game back and there's just like a long list of players that did that over like a short span so yeah Cam Newton literally out. played until his Cam arm Newton. didn't work anymore <laughs> yeah Cam Newton hurts his foot comes back ahead yeah. of schedule misses the rest of the season those damn Patriots it is there's two preseason games that where the Patriots hurt Cam yeah Spencer knows about that so <laughs> It's because um, this is mad because they've never beat him. Yep, never beaten Cam Newton two and zero against Tom Brady, which means he's going to be a Patriot in twenty twenty. Don't at me. Um. <laughs> so yeah, anything else we want to touch on? Any other questions you guys have for Matt? Uh, no, I'm good. Well, let's give Brad? him an opportunity to promote what he does. That was what I was about to do. Great minds oh, think alike, so, Matt. Yeah, Matt, tell Interrupt us what you got going on. <laughs> <laughs> interrupted you before you even had a, sh- a chance to speak uh no i think the the best way to to define what i'm doing is to go on twitter uh you can follow me at matt Harmon underscore byb and if you want you know some more reception perception nuggets and to find out where you can purchase access to that data later in the off season just use the hashtag reception perception and you will find all of that information there have you started working on that for the 2019 season yet Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a underway, my man. I got a hard deadline coming in June, and uh, I, I it's a it's a slog every year. So there's a few players I have, <laughs> not not too not not too many. I always feel constantly behind, but yep, there's a, there's a few guys that are logged away already. All right, I just because I remember seeing that um, ESPN had DJ Moore graded as like their best slant wide receiver, and I was wondering if I guess we'll wait for it to come out and see if you agree with them. 
He's the best. Well, player. He was that, like the most. That would not be surprising at all, though, because that was this. I mean, that was his best route coming into like in, from the 2018 season. That was yeah, yeah. That, so that wasn't surprising at all. And that was what he's really great at in college. So yeah, I mean, I won't be. But he's not a guy that I've logged just yet. Yeah, I feel like it's the only yeah. route he ran in 2020 was a slant route. <laughs> Pretty, it seemed like it. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, that was it. Was he was DJ Moore was just like all about the uh, the eight catches for 89 yards like every week. It seemed like like no Not no big plays no small Kyle plays. Kyle Allen can't throw it more than ten yards. Yeah. I mean that doesn't help you. There were so many times you saw Kyle Allen lock in on him from the snap, <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> only for him to get his head taken off after he caught it like for eight yards. Mm-hmm. So. Every it was good for like one or two of those per quarter. It was just a DJ Moore quick slant where he gets an inaccurate ball that he kind of corrals and then gets tackled immediately. Yep, that's what, that's what you up. like. <laughs> And then he's 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 one of he's very much like Cam Newton where he's one of those people that always gets up really slow like he has to make it look like he's hurt every time he gets tackled. So that's always fun because <laughs> he's soft just like Cam. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to seeing that, Matt. I want to see see what uh your take on the Panthers receivers are. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited about those two guys for sure. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, thank you, Matt, for joining us as always, and uh, this. This is uh, Brian joined by John and Brad on the Keep Sounding podcast. Listen in and we'll have some draft takes for you and some free agent takes. No, we won't. (laughs) We'll try. We'll try our damn best to have some draft takes for you. I'll tell you what, I'll go ahead and and spoiler alert this. Your mock (laughs) draft sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll definitely talk about the free agent signings at least. Keekly, shut up. Um, He's ready to go. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you guys. Later.